0: Welcome to another message from C3 Mumbai. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. What I'm going to do is I'm going to spend the next little while just explaining uh, the, the communion that Jesus did or the Last Supper. And then we're at the end of this service, we're going to have a time of communion together. But before we do that, I just want to kind of uh, shed some light on it if you haven't already had light shed on communion and uh, kind of help everyone exp- uh, understand the meaning of what Jesus was actually doing when he had that Last Supper with his disciples, the unfortunate thing about communion, what's what's kind of happened now is is it's become a bit of a it's become a bit of a thing where unless you go to church and do communion, then you know you're not doing the right thing. Um, but Jesus never taught communion to be like that. He never taught the Last Supper to be like that. What it is, it's something that represents something amazing. That, um, the, and I'm just going to go through the reason why we need to remember what it was about. So let's turn um, to Luke 22, verse 19 to 20. Luke 22, verse 19 to 20. And I'm I'm cutting out some of the story here. I'm just going straight to the point. And he took bread, that's Jesus. He gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant In my blood, which is poured out for you. Now, what you have to understand the first thing about this Last Supper is that Jesus did this over a meal. What we are about to do, in terms of giving you a piece of bread and a little cup with juice in it, um, doesn't actually represent what Jesus did. And I think this is funny because a lot of people get really hung up on the tradition of how communion should look. But if we were to actually do it exactly the same as our Lord Jesus had have done it, it would be a proper meal in someone's house. Okay? It wasn't, it was, it wasn't like this. We do this to remember what Jesus did. We don't do this because we're practicing some sort of tradition. Do you understand? So, so the me- what, what I'm trying to say is this, is the message matters, not the methods. Do you understand? It's what's actually going on behind this that actually matters, that actually gives us, that's what, it's what's going on behind this that says we sing, you know, we sing these songs like, I'm free, I'm free. You're going to understand. Okay? So, so we have two things going on here. He takes, the, bre- uh, he takes the, the bread and he breaks it and he says, this is my body broken for you. Right? Now, if you weren't here on Friday, that's okay. I'm not judging you. <laughs> Um, But you can listen... Oh, I keep tripping on this. I'm just going to move this because I'm just going to keep doing it. Okay, there we are. Um, On Friday, I was talking about uh, Jesus' body broken for us. Okay? Now, uh, let me just recap this in in like two minutes. The reason Jesus' body needed to be broken and and the reason Jesus died, but uh, He didn't really die. His body died. His flesh died, but his spirit didn't die. Otherwise, he wouldn't have come back, right? Okay, the reason why Jesus' body had to die is because that was what took our sins. Jesus' body. You've got to understand something about what Jesus did or what God did. Our loving Father, God. He found a way that he could put the sins of the world upon his own son, and he he knew something about his son. He knew something about his son. He knew... That you can't kill God. Okay? He knew. <laughs> well, so a lot of this, is, this might be sort of hard for you to understand this. It might be a little confusing. And I hope I'm not confusing you, but I want you to understand something. A lot of people get too hung up on the death of Christ as, oh, you know, the death of Christ, the death of Christ, the death of Christ, the death of Christ. Yeah, it was good, but it, his body only died. Do you understand? His spirit didn't die. His spirit went and did something that brought victory for us. And it was the, the only reason his body needed to die. The only reason his body had to be broken was so that your body could know life. So that the, the brokenness that, that we actually deserved because of our sin went on him. The Bible says, when it talks about sin, I know some of you know this, but I'm just going to, for those who are new, the Bible says that sin. Sin, the wages of sin, or, or another way to say the wages of sin, what sin earns you is death. That's what sin earns you. That's what you get. And what is sin? Well, sin is simply anything that is not the will of God. Uh, you know, I, 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 if I was to come to anyone and have a conversation with you, and if I was to say to you and just say, listen, you're a sinner, You would... I mean, who would be offended by that? I would be offended by that. It's like, no, I'm a good person, thank you very much. But you've got to understand this thing about sin is not just about, just about being a good person. It's about doing the will of God. The will of God is what is good. Do you understand? Anything outside of the will of God brings what? It brings death. And God... Being this perfect and holy God cannot have sin in His world. It doesn't exist. He wipes it out. It ceases to exist. So when the sin of the world was brought upon the cross and put upon His Son, the wrath of God went out and it killed His only begotten Son, but only His body, not His Spirit. Do you understand? So when we take communion, when we get that bread that has been baked by somebody in Bombay and we we break it in a fancy way we we make it round someone in our church invented that well we make it into squares now it's been made into square little squares It's been broken with scissors, but if, once again, if, if we were to do it as, as Jesus did it in the tradition, we would have literally got a big loaf of bread or a big piece of unleavened bread and ripped it and said, this is the body broke, and then we'd have to hand it out. When you get a hundred people in a room, that becomes a bit laborious. And also, drinking from the... So, he passed the same cup around. Anybody want, I don't want to be passing the same cup. I don't want to... I like you and all, but... <laughs> you got germs. Anyway, so... <laughs> so, so... And I've got worse germs. Um you don't want my germs (laughs) so so he 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 breaks his bread this bread and says this is my body this is what it's resembling the brokenness that i took upon myself this is what jesus is saying well and he he hadn't done it yet he's he was he was forewarning his his disciples the people that he was teaching ahead of time he was forewarning them of about what he was about to do a few days later he went and did it his body was broken it hung upon a cross and 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 they all actually forgot what it was all about for a few weeks, until Jesus. Oh, for a few days until Jesus came back and appeared, and then it all made sense. Who who knows that sometimes God seems like he goes missing. You ever had that moment where you're like, "Where is God right now? I don't know where he is." Well, that that's that's what was going on for these guys. But Jesus, like he does with us, he'll forewarn you. He'll he'll tell you a few things. It's like, okay, you're about to go through a valley here. But i'm with you and this is how i'm with you he'll always show you that we forget that in the midst of our trouble so he gets the bread and then after that he takes this cup and i want to focus in on this cup okay i want to focus in on this cup he says something interesting in luke chapter 20 uh, chapter 22 verse verse 20 he says after the supper so after they'd finished the meal he then grabs a glass of wine (coughs) okay and he says this, This cup is the new covenant. Everybody say, new covenant. New covenant. What is this new covenant? What is a covenant? Um, when you read the Bible, one of the best things you can do is, is ask questions. A lot of the people, when they read the Bible, they read the Bible and go, oh, I'm too stupid to understand that. I never got taught. So they just Their mind switches off. And, and they don't actually learn what's in here. What you've got to do is go, Oh, I don't understand that, and I need to ask questions. Okay? That's the approach you've got to have with the Bible. Religion tells you not to ask questions, but relationship is all about questions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Thanks for clapping. Praise God. <laughs> i got to clap. That <laughs> that's <is> awesome. <laughs> what is this covenant? What is a covenant? Who's... Who knows about, I, I mean, I've explained this before, but who knows uh, about when you take a mortgage, you have the bank and you have little old you. You have the big bank with all their billions and trillions of dollars and then you've got little old you with whatever's in your bank account. Most of the time, the bank is bigger than the, the person getting receiving the loan. So the bank says, okay, we're going to give you some money, okay, but it's not coming without some, uh, some, some attached agreements that we must agree on that if you don't fulfill this, we're going to take this money back off you plus everything else you got. No, I mean, that's how they, they work, all right? If you work for the bank, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Um, but but, but this, this agreement that you go and sign when you get your loan for whatever it is that you're trying to buy is a covenant. It, there's, some, there's some stuff in place that must happen in order for the covenant to work, okay? And in the, in, in the case of a bank loan, well, the covenant agreement is basically you pay back on monthly whatever the, the principal is, plus the interest. That's the covenant. You stop doing that. Well, there's going to be a problem, right? Who, who knows what I'm talking about? They're going to come repossess everything. That's the covenant. So, when Jesus says this cup is the new covenant, what He's saying is that there is a new agreement in place here. Okay. Could someone, Gorov, my friend, my friend, would you get me that cup? Because I just want to hold it up in the air. And I just want to hold it, you know, because I, I just, you know, it helps with the, with the, for the sake of learning. So Jesus holds up the cup, and it was more like a wine glass, like a goblet, than this little <laughs> plastic thing. New agreement. This represents something new that is happening in the world. This represents something new that is happening in the cosmos, in the universe. And uh, the disciples uh, would have been listening because they knew about the covenant. These, these boys were good Jewish boys. They were raised in Jewish homes. And Jewish people, they knew all about a covenant agreement that was put in, in place by a guy called Moses. There was other covenants that predated Moses, but, but they understood what a covenant was. You know, you've heard about the Ten Commandments, okay? That is part of the covenant, the prior covenant to Jesus, all right? You, you've, you've heard of, of, of them sacrificing a, 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 a bull on an altar, okay? You've heard of that, sacrificing animals and a, and a blood offering being given up? And, and, and the sins of the people being put on that on that animal, so that so that the people could 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 stand before God sinless. That was the prior covenant. They used to have to sacrifice an animal. They used to, they used to have to fulfill the law. Okay, that's what it was all about. Well, now Jesus is holding up this cup of this red wine that was poured out. And He's saying, this is not wine, this is just grape juice, because it is. And He says, this is a new covenant. I want to I I explain that new covenant to you. I want you to go to, uh, up on the screens um, and in your Bibles, if you've got it, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9, I'm going to read verse 1 through to 10, which explains some of the, new, the, old, the first covenant to you okay let's have a read of this now <clears throat> the first covenant had regulations for worship and also an earthly sanctuary you know what a sanctuary is right it's where the where the where the, where the sacrifices were done okay a, tab- a tabernacle was set up a tabernacle is a room where the presence of God was and in this room were the lampstand and the table with its consecrated bread okay? This was called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place. Who remembers my message on Friday about the curtain being torn? This is the curtain that was torn, okay? When Jesus died. This, this most holy place had a golden altar of incense and the gold-covered ark of the covenant, of the old agreement, okay? This ark Contained the gold jar of manna, as bread. It's another story for another time. Aaron's staff that had budded. Another story for another time. I don't have any more time to do these sorts of things, but we'll explain it another time. And the stone tablets of the covenant, the stone tablets, Ten Commandments. Okay. Above the ark were the cherubim of glory, of the glory overshadowing the atonement. Cover so there on the on the on the on above the ark there was these golden uh, statue angels that were there over the ark, and uh, uh, but we cannot discuss these things in detail now. Even the Bible says so. All right. (laughs) When everything had been arranged like this, the priests entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. Okay, so there was priests and they had a set bunch of stuff that they would do in order for the nation of Israel to be right before God. But, the only, but only, verse 7, but only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people, um, for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed. Okay? So the writer, he's telling you something here about what the way it was done. It's saying the Holy Spirit had reserved a secret, okay, which we now know what that secret was, but back then they had no idea. Um, and, and it's interesting that he says the way here, the Holy Spirit... Um, was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not been yet dis- disclosed who, who who knows of a scripture that that reminds you of i am the way the truth and the life anyway those are for the christians you can, if anyone mouth that off you can be very proud of yourself you know your bible disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning this is an illustration for the present time indicating Um, that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshipper. Okay? These sacrifices were not able to clear the conscience of the worshipper. So the worshipper would come, all of these things would be done, and the sins would be washed away according to God's covenant in place. But the problem was at that point in time with that covenant and the bible talks about how that covenant was not was not a perfect covenant the covenant that we now have with christ is a perfect covenant it, it, the problem was this that that but people would come and they would still feel guilty for their sin they would still feel this sense of oh man i just i can't i can't get this out of me i don't feel worthy before god here he is he's so holy And there's only one guy who's allowed to go in and see that most holy place. But the rest of us, well, we can't go and see him. Do you understand? You see how the picture looks. See, in that era, at that particular time, it's completely different to what we now have. Who knows that when you have a covenant like that, in place with God. That when you start feeling guilty about stuff, you actually start feeling bad about yourself. Who knows that when you start to think you're a bad person, you begin to act like a bad person. Who knows uh, the movie Forrest Gump? Remember Forrest Gump? I love that movie. Forrest Gump, he had this, this saying, Stupid is what stupid does. <laughs> stupid is what stupid does. <laughs> and, and, and for us, because we all know in the depths of our heart that we can't fulfill all of God's covenant. And, and a lot of us are trying to actually approach God in the mindset of these people back then, when we haven't understood what's been done for us on the cross. We come before God and, and we understand, oh, Christ has forgiven all of my sins. He's done something on the cross for me. I, I know that, but, but, but I still feel this. I feel guilty. And when you feel guilty all the time, well, what do you do? You act guilty. And, and, and then it affects things like your own, in, your, your own security. And the thoughts you have about yourself and, and what you think of yourself and who you think you are. And, and, and out of this comes all sorts of stuff like having to perform in order to prove yourself. And having to prove yourself and, 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 and things like our, our, our income and uh, our, the, the things we do and, and what career paths we've chosen and where we live and what car we drive and who who is married and blah, 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 blah. All of these sorts of things become stuff that actually is trying to cover our guilt. And the shame of who we actually are. And, and when you read the Old Testament, you can see that it affected the Israelites. And this is why Jesus had to come. This is why he had to come. To install a better covenant. Where the blood was, was a new day that was sealed. It goes on. Let me, let me explain. Let's go on to 19, uh, verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 19 to 25. Where it goes on to explain what now... is the, the time that we sit in, time of the new covenant. Um, I'm just going to read this from. I'm, I'm just going to add something again, if that's okay. It's not on the thing. Um, <clears throat> but I, I, I forgot to put it on my notes. But I've just remembered because my Bible's told me. Okay. 9 verse 11. But when Christ came as Christ, high priest... Of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, is not a part of this creation. So Christ comes, he dies on the cross, the sacrifice was made, and it was a sacrifice that was acceptable before God. And he doesn't go in as a, as a priest into the normal temple, the earthly temple, he goes into the temple of heaven okay the earthly one was just a copy now now he's in the real one he did not enter by means of blood of goats and calves but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood okay so obtaining eternal redemption the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, he didn't sin, cleanses our, he cleanses our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. I want, I want to read that to you again. From verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death, so that we may serve the living God. This is the thing. This sacrifice that Jesus did, Easter, what this is all about, the reason why he did it, was so that you could approach God with a clean conscience. So that you wouldn't have to go through the act every year where your sins come up before God and you're like, oh gosh, I, gotta, I don't know. I got to write a list and take it all down to the temple and say, okay, God, I'm, this is all of the stuff that I've done. Would you forgive me? And, and they would go like that. It's no longer like that, it's done for. When we, when, we, when we talk about Easter, we're talking about being a group of people whom God has done everything for us so that we can approach Him just whole and complete, without sin, sinless, because it's all been cleaned away. It's all been washed away by the blood of Jesus. This is the new covenant. Do you understand? So, so then he goes on in Hebrews chapter 10, I'm going to start from verse 16, it says this, this is the covenant I will make with them, after that time says the Lord, now listen to this, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds, then he adds their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more, no more, are you guys keeping up with me? You're awesome. You do a better job than I could ever think of doing on that. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. I want to ask you something. Do you keep coming to God guilty? Do you keep approaching God as a sinner? Or do you approach God as one who has been made whole with a clear conscience. And you might say, well, no, but Ryan, you don't know what I've done. (laughs) Why do you think Jesus had to die? If you've done something bad, it was bad enough to kill Jesus. And kill him, it did. It was put on him. But that moment that he died... When the veil was torn, the the moment the veil was torn is because he was suddenly in heaven. He's standing before God saying, it's been done, it's finished. It's all on me. I've conquered it all. I have put the, the sins of the world on myself. I've died. And here I am now. And he starts a new ministry for us. The ministry as a priest in heaven who works on our behalf, who offers himself. And we can approach God knowing that even though we are sinners, that if we are thinking that God is looking upon our sin every time we approach Him, that is is approaching God with guilt. We can approach Him... Yes, we need, to be, we need to have sorrow for our sin. We need to know, yes, sin is wrong. I am not by any means justifying anybody's sins here. So I'm not saying that, that you can just go and sin and then approach God every time and, and you'll be fine. That's not how it works. You, you will destroy yourself in sin. That's why God had to rescue you from sin, okay? You will suffer consequences for your sin. But, but, but here's the deal. You can turn to God, this covenant, this agreement that is in place now, You can turn to God with a clear conscience. Now this changes everything because, here's why. This changes everything because you can approach God not based on your performance, not based on all of the good things that you've done, not based on what you have done in order to get God's favour. Because when you really, really boil it down, in this into your subconscious, we all know, no matter how much we do, that we haven't made the mark. We all know. If you really, really want to check out what that old covenant agreement was, you'll find that you're not able to make the mark. And what that produces in us is an insecurity, is a is a is a sense of hopelessness a sense of always having to perform a sense of always having to prove ourselves and it's like this m- mouse in one of those wheels just running pointlessly constantly that's 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 how it actually ends up jesus didn't want that for you and i He wanted us to have a covenant relationship. And here's the deal. It says there in verse 16, it says, I'm going to put the laws in their hearts and I'll write them on their minds. Now, if Jesus, (laughs) this is crazy, but could you imagine if Jesus had have put these laws on our hearts and written them on our minds without first putting in place a better covenant, we'd go mad. It, you know, now we, the, the, the other parts of the Bible, I, I'm not going to go there, but explain that this, this writing, is not like God gets His finger and writes on your heart, like it's, it's a poetic way of saying we receive the Holy Spirit, okay? When we receive Christ into our lives, when we invite Jesus into our lives and we begin, become followers of Him, we receive the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit Part of that is that the, the law gets written on our hearts. We begin to see the world differently. We begin to see the world in a different way. And, and part of that, if, if we don't remember this new covenant, and I've seen this happen to followers of Christ, new ones that have come in. They go, okay, I want to be a follower of Jesus. I want to keep Him happy. They receive the Holy Spirit. And then next thing, they're guilty all the time. Because they've misunderstood what the covenant is all about. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're guilty all the time, you've misunderstood the covenant, you've misunderstood what this agreement is all about. It's all finished, it's all done for on the cross, it's all done. Nothing you can do can change how God looks at you, nothing. So often we think, oh, God's face is looking upon me and He's looking different, you know, because of my performance. He was smiling, He's smiling on Sunday, and on Tuesday when I'm at work and that person comes in and they just rub me up the wrong way and I say that word that I shouldn't say and then I go and talk to that person about that thing that I shouldn't be doing and it's just like, by Wednesday I'm just feeling like, and it's like, you know, you've got to read your Bible. Oh, I'm going to, I don't want to read my Bible, you know, I feel bad every time I read my Bible. We've got to come back and remind ourselves, no, no, hold on a second. Hold on a second. There's a new agreement in place. There's a new covenant that's been put in place. Yes, I am a sinner. Yes, I can't always make it. But let me tell you something. I've got this Jesus. And sometimes maybe you just need to go and have a little communion by yourself in your room and just do it. So you can remember and look at that cup and go, what's that cup again? Covenant. What's the new covenant? His performance or my performance? His performance. His performance. His performance was what pleased God, not our performance. We just follow Him. We just follow Him. And and the next part of this is amazing. Verse 19 of chapter 10, it says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence... Everybody say confidence. confidence. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by our performance... What happened? Oh, I've misread it. Sorry. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place because we're awesome. Is my Bible wrong? Since we have the confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, that's what this represents. It's not blood. It represents blood. Verse 20, by a new and living way. What's the living way? Jesus. Open for us through the curtain. Remember the curtain? The curtain was torn. That is His body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Vodafone, man. I forgot my watch today, so I used a timer, so I don't go over time. And Vodafone called me. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, for for those of you who want to read on from this in your own personal studies, verse 26 talks about the question of, well, what about, what do we do with all this grace? Can we just sort of abuse it? Can I just go and live my way and then come back? It talks about that, that you could, I'm going to leave that up to you. But the point I want to make to you today is the point of coming towards God or coming before God, having been cleansed by His act, having been made whole by what He's done, that what communion and what Easter represents for us is insecurity being expelled from our lives because we have a clean conscience, because someone loves you so much. His name is God, the creator of the world, the creator of the universe, he had you in mind, that the Bible says this, that He had you in mind at the beginning of the world. He knew that this moment right now would be here. He knew that, that, that on the cross, that this would count for everything. That you can come, to, because if you can come before the Most High God, cleansed, free of guilt, fully paid for, without debt before Him. And not only that, be invited in, not just as a guest, not just as an outsider who's making a visit once in a while, but as a family member. The Bible talks about this, that we become family members. That when we begin to follow Jesus, when we invite Him into our hearts, He puts a ring on our finger with the insignia of heaven on it. And he makes us his own. Your last name changes, not literally. Some of you are like, oh, that's a shame. I don't like my last name. (laughs) But in spirit, he changes your last name. Ryan Waters, of the Most High God, or whatever it is. Rachel, daughter of the king. Parita, princess of heaven. I don't know what it is, but he changes your last name. And it's not based on anything we've done. So here's the deal. You could forget about trying to prove yourself. Now, if the, you've got to understand this. The king of the world, the one who created all the splendor of this world, you know, everything. If he accepts you, who cares about some person who doesn't accept you? Let them not accept you. You know, who, 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 who minds anymore about whether or not where you live or what you do or who you are or who you know and all of these sorts of things? Where you went on your last holiday or not, whatever? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Who cares? It doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. Because the one who actually counts accepts you. Guilt has been washed away. You're free. Free. You don't have to prove yourself anymore. It's been proven. It's been done. This covenant, when Jesus held up that cup and said, "This is the new covenant," covenant changes everything for you and I. That we can stand in front of God, the One, whom is everything, made whole, made complete. free. Free. So I'm free, free forever. I'm free. And whatever that freedom looks like for you. For some of you, that freedom might look like letting go of some relationships, letting go of some stuff, letting go of some ways of life that you have actually been keeping there because they prove something about you. Letting go of some stuff that you know is attached to some really massive insecurities in your own world. I know for me personally, I've been a guy, as a man, I've always been one that when I see someone who is better than me or I might think so, I instantly go into compete mode and I want to be better than them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, and it would affect me in my career. I, I'd want the best job in the company. I'd want to go for the big, big job, the big kahunas job and not even know why. I just want it because, well, What does it say about me if I don't have that big job? You know, until I came before God, until I understood that my heart is clean before God, I don't have to prove a thing to Him. I don't have to prove anything about who I am to Him. I just need to come and accept His love and accept his hope, and accept his joy, and everything in me is relaxed since then. Every now and again, it still pops up, you know, the whole, oh, I've got to be, you know, I've got to prove myself. And that's the moment where I get before God, and I say, God, I'm I'm sorry, I've forgotten this new covenant. I've forgotten that you've done everything for me. And who knows this, that when you begin to look at life like that, you can actually do life better because you're not so worried about all of the stuff anymore. You're not competing. You can be more creative. You can actually think clearer because you're not getting thoughts about, oh, I'm going to do this and that and then I'm going to you know, do that and I'm going to get them and, and then all of those sorts of political things that we go through. You don't have, you don't, you're not getting trapped into that. You can just be who you are and who God has made you. And God begins to open up doors in front of you that you never thought would open. God begins to do things that you never thought He could do because you have the faith, you begin to understand that you walk in the favor of God. <laughs> Amen. C3 Mumbai is a church in the heart of India's commercial capital where a diverse group of people brought together to worship God and to pass on the hope of salvation by grace that we freely received. For more information about C3 Mumbai, please visit our website c3mumbai.com or visit our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram or tweet us on our handle at C3 Mumbai.